Hi, this is Prof G or Gavin Giovanoni from London. Um, today is the second anniversary uh, of my accident, so I thought I would do a reflective post covering some of the issues that we've discussed many times on our blog and on the via the MS Selfie newsletter. But I'd just like to start off uh, and thank everybody who was so kind to me uh, last week. Uh, you may or may not be aware, I did two MS roadshows when I went out to speak to people with multiple sclerosis in their local community. I did one last Wednesday night in Stanmore, that's in North London. And on Saturday morning, I went out to Aylesbury in the Chilterns to talk to people with MS who attend the, MS, uh, the Chilterns MS Centre. And a lot of people came up to me and asked me about my health. And the news is, yes, I'm fine. I've made a very good physical recovery from my accident. I still have some weakness and clawing of my left hand from damage to the particular nerve in my neck, and I suspect this will be uh, permanent. Um, I do have mild weakness uh, in my muscles innervated or supplied by that nerve, and that's likely to be long-term. Um, my biggest problem, though, is I have persistent pain in the neck with limited rotation. When I move it from side to side, it really hurts, and I have to live on anti-inflammatories. Uh, and as I've said in the past, my right hip is failing. I've got damage to my right hip, and I've got some early osteoarthritic changes in there, and my orthopedic surgeon says I'll have to have it replaced in, the, in a few years' time. Hopefully, it'll last uh, longer because the older I am when I have the hip replacement, the better it will be because these hips don't last forever, and I don't want to be having uh, too many revisions in the future. Um, the neck, I suspect, is, my neck pain is probably arthritis as well. Apparently, when you pin a, a, a vertebra, uh, you often get uh, arthritic changes occurring above and below the level of the of the uh, stabilization. I haven't had an X-ray again for over a year, uh, and I may have to go back to see my neurosurgeon if the pain gets any worse. Um, the other thing that people, some people are aware of that I was diagnosed as having a melanoma earlier this year. It was on my back over my right scapular area. Uh, this was successfully excised and all the lymph nodes that were taken out of my neck and the axilla were negative. There was no tumor in them. And so this means that my chance of systemic disease or metastases is low. Uh, I've been told less than 1%. And the good news is because my I don't need adjuvant uh, or systemic therapy. However, I am at higher risk of developing a second melanoma simply because of the field effect. You know, I've had repeated sun exposure as a child growing up in South Africa, and uh, I'm, I'm going to have to re remain under regular dermatology follow-ups uh, for the rest of my life. At the moment, I'm going every three months, and that's for three years, and then I'll go six monthly after that. However, the good news is that I may uh, not have to see a person when I go in the future. An, art an artificial intelligent robot or AR bot will, will do the job. Uh, you go into these machines where they take pictures of your body front and back, and the computer algorithm analyzes any lesions on your skin that may look suspicious, you know, new lesions or increasing size, and highlights them. And if, obviously, if there's something worrying, then they notify the dermatologist who actually looks at this. This is not science fiction. Uh, this skin melanoma system is already available in the uh, private sector. And it's been trialed by the NHS. And my dermatologist thinks that the system will likely be adopted nationally by the NHS. Um, and I suppose the reason why it'll be adopted is that it will replace uh, this job for dermatologists, which is pretty boring, actually, looking at people's skin for tumors. So uh, robots don't get tired or fatigued. They don't get sick. They don't go on strike. Uh, and they really make mistakes. So I think 
know, overall, if this improves outcomes, why not do it? And I think the monitoring of MS may go in the same way. You know, we may have in the future automated pathway where you, as a person with MS, will have your regular MRI scans arranged via an algorithm. Uh, it'll, your scans will then be analyzed by an image analysis system in the cloud. Uh, and the team will be, the MS team, your neurologist will only be notified if there's any change in your MRI scan that's relevant. And so you won't necessarily have to see a neurologist for your MRI report. It'll come directly to you from the AI bot. Um, and if there are any worrying changes on it, uh, the neurologist will call, call you in to see. Now, this is already happening in diabetes. I have a patient who's got both type 1 diabetes and multiple sclerosis, and he actually looks after his own diabetic retinopathy screening. He goes every year um, to a center where they do a retinal photograph on both eyes that gets uploaded into the cloud and it gets analyzed by a robot. And he's only asked to see the ophthalmologist at their problem. So the the ophthalmologist doesn't have to look at the retinal images unless there's a, a query. And there have been quite a few studies now showing that the AI algorithms are, are superior to uh, ophthalmologists at looking, at, uh, uh, looking out for diabetic retinopathy on the retina. And I have little doubt that the same thing will happen in the uh, MS space. You know, the algorithms will be superior to the neuroradiologists reviewing these scans manually. So this will be the future. <clears throat> One of the attendees at the meeting in Ch the Chilterns asked me if my experience with NHS helped me understand and improve my approach to management of MS. And I said, yes, uh, definitely. And I've actually written about this uh, in the past. And I'll refer you to that blog post, which is quite long and doesn't need repeating now on uh, some of the insights I got from the trauma team at King's College Hospital. I suppose the one thing um, that hasn't recovered is that I still get flashbacks whenever I hear a motorcycle approaching me from behind or whenever I have to cross a road, I, I get the thought of myself being hit. And so these flashbacks um, are quite intrusive. I, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't like, to, I would like to get rid of them. And I suspect they are a mild form of post-traumatic stress disorder. They don't induce in me palpitations, panic attacks, or other symptoms that suggests uh, that they are a full-blown post-traumatic stress disorder, but they are there. And uh, uh, I'm also very aware that people with multiple sclerosis um, have post-traumatic stress disorder, well, a large proportion of them, about the way their diagnosis of MS was handled. And so I've, I've posted on this before, so I'd refer you back to uh, one of my newsletters on how common is post-traumatic stress disorder in people with multiple sclerosis, where you can read some of the comments people have made. Um, in response to uh, writing about post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, we did a, uh, a survey with ShiftMS to see how common it was in, in terms of their own online um, members. Uh, and we've actually analyzed the results of the survey and we submitted and presented the results at the Associated British Neurology meeting last year and now at Ectrims. And I've actually uploaded these um, uh, posters for you to download and read. <clears throat> um, the bottom line is that it's a big problem. And it um, makes me clearly realize that there is an unmet need uh, for us to train up healthcare professionals in, at least in improving the way we give the information when somebody gets diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So we obviously don't do it very well. And we also don't really have the bandwidth or the staff to help us with a support system so you can get counseling immediately 
Uh, our MS nurses do it, but uh, they don't have enough time, I think, to do proper, you know, post-diagnostic uh, counselling um, about what to expect, etc. This is much better done in the oncology space. Uh, I know that in my hospital, for example, the breast cancer clinic are incredibly good at, uh, first of all, giving the diagnosis of breast cancer to a woman and then helping that woman come to terms with the diagnosis and what to expect in terms of their treatment, etc. And they have trained psychologists and psychology assistants and therapists in the clinic that do this. You know, the, the, the difference is the oncology services are incredibly well uh, resourced uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and we unfortunately do not have that resource. We just don't have a uh, psychologist working full time on MS, which we would love uh, to try and set up these services. I don't think it's because we don't want to do it. It's just we don't have the uh, resources within the NHS at the moment uh, to do this. Anyway, I think we do need an international training course, and this may come up with one of my um, ideas of starting an inter a masterclass and probably would have to dedicate uh, at least one module of the masterclass. This will be a, a online teaching course for people who are interested in MS possibly patients themselves, but also healthcare professionals, where we would dedicate the training session um, to help them uh, understand the com complexities of giving a diagnosis of a chronic disease where the public perception of this disease is so bad. Anyway, that's it. So if you've got any comments, please um, make them. I'll try and deal with them online. And again, if you can afford to subscribe, please do. Uh, I need the income from the uh, MSL fee to pay for the uh, curated website that's been written by a, a very good medical writer. Enjoy.